Hey guys, welcome to Dev Dive Episode 9. I'm here with right Legend Larry as always, and our guest today is ESL CJ, also known as just CJ. Welcome to the show, CJ. Thank you. You do need the just in there, otherwise people <laughs> won't know it's me. Yeah. It's like a it's like a tribe called Quest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole I asked, package. You know? I asked CJ if he had any different things he wanted to be called by, and he's like, nope, just CJ. I'm like, all right, works for me. Okay. Um, for those of you who don't know CJ, um, he is the coach on the Team Liquid DCCS team that I'm a part of, um, and we'll explain what DCCS is in just a second. Uh, but he also does uh, financial work for ESL UK, and he's also a shoutcaster for several amateur tournaments, so... He was a fun guy in our last uh, season at DCCS, and I thought, hey, this guy would be fun to have him on the show, talk about some of the stuff he does, and we needed somebody. So here he is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds so bad. No, CG, we are very excited to have yeah. you here. <laughs> you were nailing it. You were nailing it right up until the end. No, no I, lost, I, lost the, I lost I lost. my thread. <laughs> I was looking at my show notes, and I'm like, oh, I didn't write this down. <laughs> I'm 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 honored, dude. As I said, as when I tweeted about it, I've, that's a bucket list item, dude. I've been invited on a podcast now. That's mm. one thing down. Hey, there you go. well, I'm not I'm not. I will dominate, and and there's not Thorin, but oh, we'll oh, get there. Goodness. All right, jacket right there. So I don't want to get in a podcast. Oh no! Oh <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't have Thorin on then. Um, so what T- DCCS actually is is it stands for a Discord Community Ship Community Championship Series. It is basically LCS for lower skill level players with the organizations um, that LCS normally has. So like TSM, uh, Cloud9, Team Liquid, so on and so forth. Uh, What they do is they put together um, teams of below high skill level players. So I think the rule right now is um, below Plat 3. Um, And they sort of have this LCS format with all these teams and it's basically run exactly the same um they do four games uh every weekend for both teams i believe uh the series changes a little bit each season as as things change but the basics is that it's a four fun tournament a lot of people get together a lot of people put in a lot of hard work and it's it's just it's one of the better ways for the average player to experience competitive league of legends because um not many people can get to that very 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 high level of league so it's 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 some way to get a taste of competitive league which i think is amazing um when you're not amazing at the game uh if you wanted to talk a little bit more about dccs and amateur leagues in general uh feel free because i've been talking for 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> that's okay yeah i i think it is really it, you can see how quickly the players like latch onto that competitive feeling when they get a taste for it and they come back again and again and again. Because as you say, not everyone can be double lift or Bjergsen or whatever. You know, Not everyone has some degree of, of natural talent or maybe the time to work at it or the, the space to dedicate themselves to it. But they still get to get that feeling and the rush that you get from being competitive in that in that sense. And I think the DCCS tying it together with potentially their fandom of an LCS team, which is already very strong for these players, it's a it's a very nice combination of that to get people hooked in and gives them a yeah, a space to kind of feed that competitive side where in league sometimes it's a bit of a rough game to enjoy at times, you know, sometimes it gets a bit toxic and you get a bit frustrated and you're shouting at your monitor, you know, we've all we've all been there. But I think it's it 
you're playing with people that you get to know over the course of a season and amateur leagues in general are very good for this and that there are several other options throughout north america that i'm aware of and, and europe as well the one that i cast for in europe is one of the the leading like volunteer run uh, amateur leagues and i think it's really important for players to get that because i've seen players come from uh, like a gold plat limited league for fun with people they've never played with before they don't know and they're now in eu masters which is the stepping stone below lec there is that path that you can go all the way from the bottom to the top and that system is kind of how players get a chance to do that in many ways yeah definitely um i think one of the major benefits of amateur tournaments in general is just to give people that that taste and that platform to get to the higher level um i think going into an amateur league just in like a solo queue mindset where I just want to play these games and I want to win, you won't be very successful. You really have to embrace the, we're going to be playing these teams. We have to know what they're going to be doing. We have to know what's strong against them. And we have to know, we have to practice these, these specific comps so we can have those strengths and difficulties. And you don't get that in regular league. You don't even get that in, in flex 5v5s or even clash because it's just not the same level of structure. Yeah, you get like a you get like a the the a little bit of that with clash mm-hmm. in the sense of like, but it's like thirty seconds. You have thirty seconds to review yeah. your opponent and your opponent team instead of you know I have the schedule, I know what's coming up uh, to really analyze it, and then even more like just talking about um, that aspect, having a coach, having an actual person mm-hmm. there whose sole focus is to help you be better, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think that it's... Clash, actually, I think hits a very nice middle ground for me because it is meant to, in theory, be this repeating thing that happens, you know, fortnight after fortnight or whatever the, the timing they settle on is, that it does give you that nice, here's a little bit, here's a taste of the analysis you can do. You can start thinking about this kind of thing and then you can get a little bit of an advantage to jump in and maybe win this, you know, this little one-day tournament. But then, like you say, having an actual coach, someone like myself who is dedicated to to doing that solely and i can kind of impart that to the players and get them thinking about it in the same way because bccs as uh ben said is it's a plat three and down league it's rank restricted for a reason it's meant to be for players who aren't as good and they can get a taste and maybe want to move up and getting that uh that knowledge even for me and i'm not gonna i'm not an amazing player i'm gonna flex i don't want to flex too hard but i'm, I'm diamond four <laughs> you know i just want to just want to get everybody too hard oh, badass over here right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> But I can look at the game, and I've done like the casting stuff before, and I have to do similar stuff for that, where I can look at an op.gg and say, they play this, this is how they do on this champion versus this one. Do we need to ban that? Do we need to leave that up? And it's I enjoy kind of speaking to the players about that and getting them thinking about it. Um, and it's, once again, it's it's quick to see how quickly they latch onto that and getting to think about the game in a slightly higher level than the, I like playing Kaisa, so I shall lock Kaisa, you know? and i liked how you touched on your your rank because i i wanted to bring this up i think that the there is no direct correlation between an individual's rank in league and their ability to be a good teacher or a good coach in the game Mm -hmm. um one of the good things about coaching is that you don't have to have the mechanical skill to impart your knowledge you can have a lot of game knowledge you can have a lot of macro capabilities and you can have something that's probably most important an outsider's perspective on what's happening in yes. the game. Um, mm-hmm. As somebody who's played a lot of League of Legends, probably over 5,000 hours now, um, it's very easy to get 
a biased view of what's happening in your games just because you were there and you're only receiving that one fifth perspective of what's going on. Um, so having somebody, even if, if they're not like amazing at the game who just can come in and look and see what's going on and they say, Hey, you made a mistake here. Nobody else called you out on it. Try to work on it next time. That can help just a lot by itself. Um, so I definitely don't think coaches have to be like grandmaster or challenger to be very good. And I'd actually be interested to look up what rank LCS coaches are. Cause I'm fairly confident they're not super high level. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a bit of a discussion. I think that I'm not sure if it was LS that was having the discussion or he was just part of it, that whether coaches should be pro players or ex pro players making better coaches or not. And there's arguments to be made that an ex pro or an ex very good player can have that extra level of of perception about the very very fine points of a game or a play that maybe a coach who is a lowly d4 player like myself cannot um and that's there's an argument for that but i think also linking it slightly back to the casting side i do play by play i started as color because i thought i had a decent game knowledge but i quickly moved to play by play because i realized i don't i can't analyze the game to the level that some color casters do and people that i cast with color casters that are silver one are miles better color casters than i'll ever be because they just think about the game and they're learning the game and studying the game in a specific way to actually learn those very fine strategic points that coaches need to be able to know you know even if they can't do a yasuo tornado combo you know they know when <laughs> to do it or they know what you have to do before that or rewarding and that kind of stuff so i think you're right that it's important for people to just be able to look at the game without mechanically being able to get your hands to do what you want and you can still be very very important and you can learn a lot and teach a lot yeah and i think um that's another reason why a lot of teams have started i think most teams have two coaches now uh, if not more yeah. in in terms of lcs um in amateur leagues sometimes they have two coaches i know we have two coaches uh, actually we have three three coaches now you're just we oh, just yeah. <laughs> it's because people just like play for our team and they stick around you know like yeah. we just people want to stick and, and play with us like i say because they latch on they love it they learn and they make friends and then they want to stick around and if they're too good slightly maybe they're too high ranked by like one division stick around coach you're a good you are a support player last season now you can coach the support this season because you know you've got the knowledge yeah um so yeah, coaching coaching is a lot of fun in general. If you feel like you don't have the the time or the mechanical skill to to go in and actually be a player in a league, an amateur league, you can always offer your services to a team as a coach, especially if you're familiar with the teams and the other players in the league. That can actually give you a major advantage over some teams because if you know that so-and-so likes to play this type of jungler or this type of top laner, you can use that to your advantage to counterpick him before he even picks his champion um yeah so there is there's amazing things to be said about amateur leagues i fully recommend if you guys haven't gotten into something and you're looking for some sort of fun experience in league where you can dedicate some time and put in a little more effort than most people into like actually playing a competitive uh, version of the game uh fully recommend it there's tons of leagues out there uh you can join dccs uh, you can join compete league uh, you can, if you're in Europe, you can join uh, CJ's. What was yours called, CJ? Uh, Square One Square is the one. European-based one that I cast for. That's had a lot of good, uh, not really press, but like coverage and good viewership this season. And it's really it's popping off. You know, <laughs> but the the UK, the UK especially. I'm from the UK. 
has several of these like i guess you'd call them tier three maybe now um but the lec just added another extra layer of tiers, so maybe it's tier four they're just kind of bumping everything up and down so often but yeah that there, there's a lot of options if you can find them even just you know the posts appear on reddit regularly throughout the year because most teams will post about it you can just google it you can ask most of these people and they will tell you and, and get you signed up and that's it's as easy as joining the discord you know yeah that's the first step and i guarantee you you probably have one or two friends who are already doing something like this already if you play a lot of league so yeah just ask around you'll be able to find something be right back <laughs> larry will be right back we'll continue <laughs> on to the next session of the show um did you want to talk about what you do for esl Sure. So uh, I am a finance associate for ESL, which is a fairly uh, nondescript title, but it's basically my role is that I am under sole responsibility for the finance function for ESL UK. That's subject to the review of a consultant finance director. So basically I do a bit of everything, all the accounting side, finance contracts, basically all of that kind of finance operations that ESL UK needs to run. And I think that this is a role that as esports is ballooning in size becomes a lot more important to do and do correctly. Whereas a lot of companies, as they have grown, they don't think about that side necessarily, or the people that they started with aren't often trained in that. And they have to kind of learn as they go, which when it comes to finance and the laws around finance is dangerous and can <laughs> torpedo a lot of companies before they get a chance, which is mm. devastating for them and just bad for the industry when they get tripped up by these hurdles because finance is a lot of bureaucracy and yeah. gamers don't like that you know <laughs> <laughs> unless they're you know crusader kings 2 players then they love it but, <laughs> you know no that not that's to, not to, oh, to, ahead, tr Larry. to detract too hard uh but um you know outsourcing the my, my background is in outsourcing and it, it a lot of times i think people at riot uh especially when i started out didn't really r understand why i would get so heated about some of our practices um yeah it's because like like you just said if if you're not careful uh, a very innocuous action on your mm -hmm. part can have devastating effects because of the legal ramifications surrounding it so not fully understanding or having someone there to be able to kind of watch your back is very very dangerous yeah, yeah i think absolutely. what cj cj said um talking about how these companies are growing very quickly and they, they don't really have the knowledge of what goes into like this sort of thing, at least the people they started with didn't. I've seen this so many times where, where a company will grow faster than they know what to do. They will keep everyone who they started with, um, even if they aren't providing like the best in their role. And they won't yeah. look for people to come in and fill these roles. Like when you think esports, you're probably not thinking something in finance you're probably thinking oh i'm gonna be a player a coach i'm gonna be doing social pr something like that but every company needs people who can perform every role because if you didn't have an accountant or a finance associate or a janitor or a uh coaching like uh sorry a kitchen staff this this yeah. org is going to fall apart like this is sort of a, a topic that we touched on a lot in previous dev dives where <laughs> we refer to game dev and game developers as like more than just the designers or more than just the coders or more than just the, the artists. Um, everyone who really is a part of making this game, I think they're part of the dev scene. Um, and I think that extends to anything in, in, and Larry's going to hate me, but anything in esports. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, say we don't say esports. It's just sports. It's just I don't think we've hey, gotten to that I level know, yet. Maybe maybe I'm being yeah, part of the problem. But... Hoping. Well, hey, we're on ESPN. Really... All right. There's no other sports. We're we're yeah, true. We're now. the only sport. <laughs> we're the only we're sport. Not, we're not letting go of the top spot when when we're, <laughs> that, we're not. We're not. We're in ESPN now. We ain't moving out. That's okay. right. That's right. <laughs> um, but it's it's true what you say. I think that that support network is really really important. And I think that sometimes the comparison that I like to use is that a lot of gaming companies or sport sports companies <laughs> are are run a little bit like university societies mm. because that's where the people learn that they wanted to organize around this thing most of the time in their lives is they hit university or college and they get a chance to organize around it and they learn how to run that and then they start a company or a startup or whatever yeah. and they've got like really good knowledge and they try super hard and they've got great passion and they get some off the ground and they grow and then they don't really know how to like keep a ledger or use any accounting software or what accounting software is or what to right. do with it and they should even keep a ledger yeah, yeah exactly like <laughs> beyond just writing like they don't keep the receipt nobody yeah. keeps receipts in esports that's that's it you know so <laughs> it's um it's really important to identify that and i think that a part of that disconnect is because no one in finance knows about esports and no one mm. in esports remembers to think about finance so i remember very vividly when i was in university in third year or fourth year at glasgow university doing accounting and finance uh we were doing a lecture on financing and one of part of that was crowdfunding which is obviously massive now and the example that the lecturer brought up was star citizen which is still somewhat yeah. prevalent and is still going and going and going but they brought this up and i was like oh neat and they said, who knows what this is? And I look around this 100, 200 person lecture hall, everyone yeah. glazed over like, <laughs> face? This isn't, but my, my Exploring the Cosmos lectures tomorrow, like, what are we doing here? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I am aware of this. I'm the only one in the whole thing. And I think there's yeah. that, no one who likes gaming, for some reason, they never go into finance to study. So mm. there's like this gap between the two where they don't meet very often. And that's what I think leads to this, this disconnects where companies don't think about it and the finance companies don't really go into esports themselves. Yeah. Um, I know Ben, Ben said it before we talked about it a lot. And I think it's prevalent or I think it, it, it's true for, for almost any industry that you think of a company, a studio, you know, uh, a business, they are all basically an entity. They're the same entity. They just do different things they they output different things and there are different regulations for them but at the end of the day you still need the basic foundation of of all of that to operate within the u.s as a business as a company that yeah. like they're all based off the same thing and those and those aspects uh of running a company you know we have a full finance division at riot we have a full mm -hmm. business uh continuity we have um a development team yeah sure but that's that's the production that's the the people making it who runs the company is yeah. completely you know still there but it's 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 completely i won't say different because that's not the point i'm trying to make it's it's the same everywhere right that back end yeah. is very similar yeah, yeah yeah for sure i think when you get to a stage where your company is growing to the point where you need to bring on additional people who you don't necessarily know personally. Um, mm -hmm. That's the stage where you need to start addressing the fact that you may need to take a look back at what's been happening and how you can make sure that everything's going to scale properly. 
Because I think scaling is the problem that most of these small organizations run into issues with because like CJ says, nobody's saving your seats. Nobody's probably making records of what's been happening. Um, what happens yeah. if one of your key members leaves or gets in disagreement and, and tries to sabotage you? What is your plan to salvage this situation? Because you can't have a company that relies on one person forever um, mm-hmm. if yeah. you want to grow. So, And that, that right there, you talking about how do we grow a company, that's, that's a role. That that's yeah. that's a whole that's a whole study. Like there are plenty of videos and case studies out there talking about going from a small, you know, indie style company and scaling up to a more corporate company and, and the the trade-offs between them and the pain points, like that that's that in and of itself is its own role. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I um I I think that what you said before as well about companies tending to rely on the same people for so long, there is this very insular attitude around gaming still it's it's being mm-hmm. chipped away at very regularly now but it's still kind of there and the people who are running the companies now the you know 30 40 50 year olds they were birthed in the darkness you know the insular <laughs> culture and they tend to get a little bit i'm not sure what the right uh, form of that word is but there's a bit of nepotism there mm-hmm. sometimes and it's hard to break through Definitely. that at times and you have to like reach out into the the normal world to find an accountant who will fix your books for you and they don't know what gaming is or you don't want to work with them because they don't understand you and mm-hmm. you know it's it's tough to to get through that barrier i think at times yeah i think you'll find a lot of times people will try to wear as many hats as possible to either save yeah. money or just because they they think they can be the only one familiar with like how things are actually working that they'll mm-hmm. try to do every single role that they can and refuse to bring in people until like something bad happens or something absolutely needs their attention. And the problem with that, like it can work, but the problem with that is that if you do need to step away or you do need to take a break, those things stop happening. <laughs> like you can't just yeah, leave yeah. and expect things to keep functioning because well that's uh Oh, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. I, I was just saying because you are the pe- you are the person that is filling those roles, yeah. um, and that mentality right there, that realization is a big contributor to burnout. Yeah, it's yeah. because you go, well, I can't. It, you're in your own catch twenty two. I can't take a break because I'm doing everything, and I'm doing everything because I can't take a break. So <laughs> yeah, it's and it's it gets exacerbated by times like these when mm-hmm. half the company is on furlough or. Maybe not even by choice. Maybe their line manager is like, well, you're furloughed now. Like their manager has told them to furlough people. And suddenly there's less people around and those jobs have to start getting split up. And suddenly, you know, as Ben said, the one person, the linchpin who insisted on not sharing their knowledge about their department with anybody else, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe they can't work. Maybe they get sick. Maybe they just physically can't do it. And then then you get big problems. So, yeah, Yeah. we talked about this. Uh, sorry, another aspect that is, if I could, if I just get on a soapbox, really, soapbox, really, uh, real quick, yeah. archive your shit, like yes. document and archive yes. it because and label it properly. Label yeah. It properly. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> like how many horror stories? Um, there's one. I don't know if I actually say specifically. There's there there is a story about um a specific, about a champion that didn't get a skin for a fairly long, and the reason they they didn't really weren't able to make a develop a skin for them is because they they lost the vfx assets 
the source what? files. They they lost the source files for them to work off of. So Ouch. to make a new skin for them, they would have to completely recreate the asset, which was way more, you know. And I'm like, because because I was asking, you know, like I'm trying to find like sort some of these stuff out, figure it out, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we don't have those files. And they and glibly they go, that's why they haven't gotten a new skin for a while. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what and yes and how many times people like new to the company right like mm-hmm. some will come in and be like hey we're doing this thing for a promotional thing do you have this illustration right like mm-hmm. it, where can i find it and i'm like uh we have like a little 800 by 600 image that went up <laughs> on the website yeah. you know five years ago that's the best you got like because no one no one would archive their assets properly best i can do is five yeah. pixels <laughs> yes <you can. laughs> yeah Jeez. i think i think if yeah. you get to the point where you need somebody to go through and their sole role in the company is to like just organize shit that's when you know you've made it as a company because you need somebody oh, to go through and just you've fix got all your important garbage. stuff to organize uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah i i think that so if if you have situations like that and people who are this is the kind of thing where when i see it in like online courses because to be an accountant and in general most countries you have to jump through numerous numerous hoops to get Mm. your degree and then maybe your master's and then your ca qualification which is different in so many countries and this Mm -hmm. that and the other and you do go over a lot of ground over and over and all of these courses they have professional skills in them which to me by now are so obvious it's painful but there are so many people especially if they get into gaming when they're 16 17 (laughs) maybe they they never they don't pay attention in school or their schools literally just don't teach them this stuff because mm-hmm. a lot of curriculums don't have this kind of essential information that they don't no one actually took them aside and said this is how you make an invoice this is how this is a good way to label oh this is God. a good way to like subject line your email or whatever oh. and i've seen any all the whole range of just invoices you could even imagine from like it's the back of a different invoice receipt that they've scribbled on illegibly and given to me like you have to pay for this and i would no no that hurts. I, i'm not gonna do that and yeah that from there all the way to an invoice made by a freelance uh graphics designer with the most overwrought over complex illegible nonsense that has the information but it's completely over stylized and unreadable because of it you know they graphic designed the actual invoice yeah. <laughs> and then on the invoice like, there's there's a line yeah. on the invoice that says yeah. invoice and they charge yeah. 15 dollars yeah. because they designed yeah. the invoice. yeah like it's oh, just man. you just gotta that kind of base level stuff i think is so important and it's mm-hmm. it's clear that a lot of people aren't getting that knowledge and they have to learn on the job and i have to be the person as like someone dealing with accounts payable and receivable yeah. like no no you have to fill in your price thing for me you need to put the date on it and you yeah. need to say what you want you know <laughs> so, yeah someone's got to teach them this stuff oh dude oh like i i didn't even i didn't think about it until you just said it i work with a, a lot of our financial uh partners over at right or used to and mm. like it got so bad the two major things is the invoice wouldn't match the contract yeah. So like, like accounts payable would get this invoice, and they're like, "Hey, this is this invoice, but it doesn't match the contract." And I'm like, yeah. oh, "Oh, god, okay." And so I have to go talk to the the vendor, and they're like, "Yeah, this is the contract." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is like they're they're like super like this is super specific. We agreed in work days. You just gave me a total, right? Like we, yeah. Yeah, I have to have the work day, and and to the point where we have a, a bid 
Like we have a standardized art bid now that we send out, or at least we're supposed to. I do. <laughs> I'll put that in there. I, we we have a, a bid, like a, a bid document to be like, all right, when you send, when you when you get work, when you get any sort of um, uh, any sort of external work done, you have to have them fill out this bid, and it has all the information. And this bid needs to match the invoice, which matches the contract. If you have all three of those, AP will be able to smoothly just pay yeah. everything through. And we still, I still hear people like going, why haven't my vendors been paid? And unfortunately, yeah. finance is like, because the invoice is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Or like, we never saw it. It, ne we never, oh, it never yeah. got to us. Or yeah. it's sitting in someone's email further down the chain. You know, yeah. it's, it's, so it's so tough to organize, especially a company like Riot. Like mm. ESL UK is a small to medium entity. Um, up until recently, it was, you know, 35, 40 employees. And that's tough. I mean, it's just one person and me doing it, yeah. but there's a lot going on, but you know, it's manageable, but Riot is a global multinational sensation and <laughs> <laughs> the amount of just like, yeah, little bits that you have to pull from everywhere globally and organizing that is just, sounds like an engaging task. It, I it was. I, I tried to work with uh, our financial people. We called them purchasing partners uh, specifically. And uh, I like when they asked me to do something, I would just do it for them. Like they just flat out. I'm like, you have to get, so you have to go through so much shit. The least that I can do is put a little extra time on my end to make your job easier. Because I mean, it is for a selfish reason slightly. It's because you make sure my people get paid. If my people don't get paid, they're not happy. I can't work with them yeah. anymore. Right. So <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's, it is uh, what is self-serving, but at the same time, I'm also helping you out. Someone who has, to deal with a lot of stuff absolutely and if, if i can just take my own opportunity to get on a soapbox real quickly yes finance stuff when they tell you to do something and it's complicated or it's weird or you haven't had to do it before they're never trying to make your life hard <laughs> they're trying to make it legal or correct <laughs> or justifiable in any way the, uh, the unfortunate truth is we can't just go around doing stuff you know mm -hmm. and whenever they there's a lot of stuff and red tape that they have to deal with and it's it's very necessary. So like yeah. your finance stuff asks you to do something. We need, you know, legend Larry's out there who are just going to do it. They're just going <laughs> to do it. And it makes our life so much easier. So yeah, that's my PSA, yeah. I guess. I, yeah. I, I love it. Yes. <laughs> when you can do something to help out somebody that you're working with and it's not going to cost you like a lot of time or effort, just yeah. do it. It helps. It helps yeah. everything. It's going to put you in a much better light for those people that you're working with. Like being that person who does, just does stuff and goes the mm -hmm. extra mile. Um, oh, and here's here's to jump off that point. And if it's something that someone constantly or you noticed is a constant request, mm -hmm. take a look into how you might be able to automate that. Yeah, just start the doing people, it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the people. Yeah, yeah, the people who like want to like be like, oh, I want to like a go get them. I want to progress mm -hmm. in my career. I want to you know show like I deserve that promotion. Um, think about impacts. So if if CJ's CJ's coming to me every week going, hey Larry, here's like these invoices. Can I get you to to fill this stuff out? I'm going, wow, you know what? All these invoices and this process and everything is the same every time, like 90% of the time. What if I just had a spreadsheet that spit out this report at the end of the week? Yeah. Bam, done. And you make it and you do it. it doesn't even have to be good. That's a funny thing. It doesn't even have to be good. It just has to work. <clears throat> Yeah. They, like and you go at the at the end of the year or whatever you go to your manager it's like hey you know that thing that like would take people like an hour on a friday and now it just takes them five minutes to check everything i did that yeah 
just right? a heads up, you know, if you ever want to do that, go. I made a way you can do it. So, yeah. so bam, right now, nah, like yeah. it's good. It's yeah. good practice. Absolutely. Sorry, we kind of got off topic there. <laughs> no, no, I'm that's what, happy. That's the point of this show. My voices, you know? I'm just so happy to hear someone who shares in the experience and the pain that I had to go through from a different <laughs> angle. You and I, we're basically brothers in arms, CJ. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and it is a war. It is. <laughs> it is a war. <laughs> All right. Did we have anything yeah. more we wanted to talk about in sort of like guest guest questions before we move on to like just game news in general? Oh, guest. Oh man. Oh, I I don't know if he answered this though. Like, what's your favorite? Like, what's your favorite part of being part of the the DCCS? Like the like Ooh. inter interacting with the teams and like what what's your favorite aspect of all that? So um, we the the most previous the previous season that went past, uh, I coached for the Team Liquid team and we won. We won the sorry, the series, which is oh, obviously shit, for, every, for every coach is a big pop off. You know, <laughs> we've been in there for four seasons. We'd come close several times. We'd always felt like we were very good, but we finally got that win, and it was so great. It's it's still sappy maybe, but it's so great jumping into voice comms the moment that we won. And listening to all the players just popping off and losing their minds, especially the captain, who is someone who puts in <laughs> so much effort and time. Ben knows who I'm talking about. Is that he's so passionate and tries so hard for it, and getting to kind of be a part of that and and support him and the team in in realizing that, even if it's just you know it's just like a for fun casual thing, it meant so much at that moment, and that was really really special. I think to be a part of, um, even if it's just as a supporting player, as I guess. It still yeah. feels really nice. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, that was a great. Okay, moment. okay. Yeah, yeah. That's really that was... it. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very interested when people, especially because I'm like, I, I, I didn't know what the DCCS was, and I didn't actually mm. think uh, to to harken back to a previous thing we we're talking about, um, amateur leagues or 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 um, you know, uh, tournaments and stuff like that. I, to me, that is incredibly important, yeah. incredibly important because that's where your new talent comes from. And mm-hmm. and being able to smooth that that road out, that transition out to give them a clear path. Um, just imagine like there there may be a, a League of Legends player out there that's the next faker that's better than faker, right? Yeah. And they may they may go what, you don't think there's a better than faker? No, 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 no. I, I love that spending? I love that analogy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like but they don't know. They 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 just play casual league. They don't they don't know that there's some place to be better to mm-hmm. get better. They don't they don't realize they've never had that opportunity. It's it's obscured, mm-hmm. and we may lose out on that great potential. So having mm-hmm. having these these systems set up to help funnel this talent to to really cast that wide net, um, and and just from the like from a, a, a diversity and inclusion standpoint to make it broad to catch all the possible talent yeah. and to clearly funnel that in, I think is super important. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's just, I never thought about that. So that's, I'm probably going to go look up amateur leagues now to go <laughs> yeah. watch. Cause I, you know, I enjoy watching league of legends. I enjoy yeah. watching uh, games where I'm like, I'll ne- I would never be able to do that. <laughs> well, just as a little plug this weekend, DCCS is doing yeah. their second, their second weekend of games. Um, Oh, shit. Okay. Twitch.tv slash DCCS official, I believe. Um, yes. If you just Google DCCS League Tournament, you'll find all the information about it, hopefully. Okay. Uh, I'll probably link some stuff down in the description as well. 
if you're looking for more what info I'm on that. Is viewing party. That's what I'm hearing, Ben. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. We we get together. Yeah. I can't play in this season because I've been working a lot and the game's fallen yeah. days that I work. But you're I too go into good the... at it. That's what you're saying. Yeah, like I won. did. I mean, he's he has won the most DCCS championships joint out of any player in that league. Oh. I think it's three. three oh, shit. The joint joint most winningest DCCS player of all time. The hat like, trick. Well, 20k. Should... Yeah, we should call you Ben the Hat Trick Nighthawk 20. It's a mouthful of that point. I like it. Definitely rolls off the tongue. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I am probably the best player to ever come out of DC. (laughs) (laughs) Flip it. it, Post it in. Get it in Discord right now. (laughs) No, but it's a lot of fun. If you guys don't have anything better to do on a on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, come and check it out. It's fun to watch. Uh, the casters do a great job. Trav and, and Guster and whoever else is involved, they put a lot of effort in um, to make it as, as good as possible, uh, often during some pretty terrible circumstances in, in mm-hmm. terms of production quality and stuff like that. So just uh, give, it a, give it a watch. It's a lot of fun. I'll be probably there. Um, say hi in the chat. Say, say that I sent you. And they, every time you say that I sent you, I get $5 from DCC. That's <laughs> no, not true. Nice. <laughs> Nice. All right, remember, all right. N- remember, Ben the hat trick. Yeah. Rock 20K. Rock 20K. <laughs> going, going on to moving on to less, uh, less personal topics, uh, I wanted to talk about game leaks because there's been a pretty high-profile, two, actually two pretty high-profile leaks within the past couple days, couple weeks. Um, and I wanted to hear what your the guys thoughts. One? I know the first one, obviously, Last of Us. I think there was one other mm-hmm. one um, escaping Sad, me. Heard. It wasn't as so high profile. Fresh and haven't even heard it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The leak is happening on this podcast right now. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Riot's next next new game, League of Legends Two. You heard it. <laughs> no Timo, no Yasuo, no Zoe. And that's the, and then it's the it's just Jax. It's all Jax. Five v five Jax. It's Jax one for all. Yeah. Um, all yeah. So, so game leaks, um, and I, I hmm. don't know if we'll have differing opinions on this, but I'll probably offer the devil's advocate and then the, the other opinion as well. Um, I think I know what Larry's going to say about this. So, Larry, go ahead. Uh, they're great. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of split because um, I understand... Like, how do I put it? Me in my role, I've never been the like, okay, we're gonna craft this, we're gonna put a lot of time and effort, we're gonna we're gonna do all of it, and then to have it be leaked and to to ship earlier and out to players and and out of sync with the whole event, I've I've never had that had that kind of personal uh, disappointment. Um, but I've seen it, and and I and and I empathize or sympathize with it uh, because there it's it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of time and investment and um what i think people don't realize it's it's not that the game leaked right i i don't i don't think that's really at the crux of it for me it's the game leaked people people got it without the full experience right it's kind of like it's kind of like you know you're having a wonderful steak dinner and someone brings out this this new york steak just just the steak and just set it down and then five ten minutes later like the everything else comes out with like the wine and the mashed potatoes and like you know the sides and stuff like that 
like yeah sure you got your stake and yeah sure you got the you got everything else but the experience of it having it at the same time to be experienced the way it was meant to be um i think that's where the disappointment comes in because again i can't so if anyone if anyone involved with those leaks is like no that's bullshit larry doesn't know what he's talking about like listen to them because again i don't know uh, but that, in my mind, I think that's I think that's where for me it would come. It's like, oh, we so wanted to tie all these things together. We want we had this event, we had this release, we had, you know, these things planned, and now they're out of concert with each other, and you won't potentially you you won't be able to enjoy it the way it was we we were hoping to present it to you. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's my thought on it personally. And and just to clarify the situation. Um... What actually happened in, in my head, at least from what my understanding is, um, a disgruntled employee of Naughty Dog, uh, which has had its whole host of um, controversies in the past, uh, released a developer build of The Last of Us on YouTube, or at least some clips of the developer build on YouTube, which mm-hmm. spoiled some major story moments of the game. Um, and that's about it. I think the situation was he was unhappy with conditions. He released this, the bit of the game on YouTube and the story was controversial or contentious or something like that. I haven't looked too much into it um, well, personally. That sort of changes my answer a little bit. Yeah. But I'm, I said a lot. I, I, I said it from a more general standpoint. That changes yeah. it. CJ, I'm going to have you go ahead and take that one in. Though. Sure. That's true. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I can see why Legend Eye works on narrative. Love the love the metaphor, the steak dinner metaphor. <laughs> really, it actually, really, genuinely, I think sums it up pretty well. I think that First, just to, to follow up from what you said, games are so often released and built up with a lot of effort and structure and you know months and months of specific parts that that some other mediums can't really have. Like you have um ARGs that are released just just to build up games specifically. Like um there's a specific game that is a remake of a game that I played when I was a child called Soulstorm, which is being made by Old World Inhabitants, and there's like a, a lengthy ARG and so much content coming out on a specific website for players to find tidbits about it, and stuff that Riot does as well, with when they're releasing new champions, and there, I think there was a champion, I don't remember which champion it was, but like other champions' pages would, they'd get like assassinated, or they'd disappear off their pages, and there would be markers left on it. I don't know if it was Jin or something like that. I think it was, like Pike. That, I think it was yeah. yeah. Was it Jin? Oh, I thought of, it was Pike. I think it was one of those two, but yeah, so there's this kind of okay. there's so much effort that people can put into games because it's fantasy and you can do anything you want with it and mm-hmm. that experience that you're talking about is so can be so important to getting that perfect release that mm-hmm. perfect launch that can completely make your game or break it or and and leaks like this just mm-hmm. kind of yeah taking the the payoff at the end and just kind of loosely yeeting it into the middle of the cycle <laughs> yeah. to shatter everything and yeah. i think that's really sad for the people who work on it it's really really sad for the people who work on it um yeah yeah that is really unfortunate when it comes to naughty dog this specific scenario with a disgruntled employee essentially using it as a protest against working conditions obviously that complicates the things massively because i don't want to ever be in a position where i'm speaking out against someone's right to protest terrible working conditions which in Mm -hmm. gaming is a really really big problem and just because the way that they choose to do it, you know, they're also tearing down maybe the narrative team's work. But is it worth it? Is that a price to pay for this person's livelihood potentially, or a lot of people's livelihood? You know, that's mm-hmm. I think it probably is because at the end of the day, Naughty Dog is a big company. 
the game is already going to be massive regardless. Yeah. And I think that if it's if uh, this person's work and their mental health and their physical health potentially and that of others is at stake here, you've got to do something that's going to make something happen. And this mm -hmm. has gotten a lot of attention. Yeah. That's that's the hard part too. That's why I said kind of changes my answer that 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 specificity. Um, mm -hmm. Because I agree with you, CJ. It's it's a hard. That's where it gets really murky. Because on one end, it is about protesting. It's I'm, I'm doing this as as a statement about what's going on, and I know that this will get traction, and I know this will get visibility. And then on the other hand, um, again, what I said before, it's like I read a tweet from someone. I think one of the writers at at Naughty Dog who was saying like they like they had worked for years, years crafting this story and they and there's only so many AAA games that you have the opportunity to be a yeah. part of that actually even get relief and unfortunately it's it's kind of the that that a spectrum of as a company right like as an entity like i'm protesting against what is happening here and then you get to that individual where it's like you 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 have potentially ruined um from their perspective you've ruined something they put a lot of time and effort into. Um, and that's what I think makes it so hard uh, to, to kind of rectify that situation um, because of that, because the person who put so much time into it individually is not thinking, oh, they're protesting this big entity. They thinking you fucked me. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. So yeah. I think that's, uh, that, that's why it's so hard. And if it was disgruntled because of various reasons, like if it, if it is truly about a protest, um, then, you know, that's one thing if he's just, or he, I assuming, uh, if they're just mad and they're just doing it to be a dick, that's something completely yeah. different. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So yeah, the facets of this, of that, of, of, of that situation really start changing mm -hmm. <laughs> the, uh, the thoughts surrounding it for me. Yeah. It's definitely a, a situation where there's no, I don't think there's any clean answer to it. Um, I, I kind of agree with what both of you guys said, where there is like, reasons why it's not the worst thing in the world but there's also just like this was sort of a dick move to the people you're hurting a lot of your own there's a lot of friendly fire in this situation when you're mm -hmm. leaking a game and, and potentially affecting sales pretty drastically depending on how this is received um you're going to cause a lot more harm to the people you're working with who are also fighting these conditions um while you're causing harm to the company as a whole and that's like it's like, is this what needed to happen to to make things change? Maybe, but it, it definitely feels like this is a a, a drastic like a drastic. This mm -hmm. is probably too far, or or at least we'll see. It's definitely it, the nuclear option. Hurts. Like that person, yeah. that person's career. That's the thing. That person's career is over. If they know, well, who if they it, find out, I don't know if they. Yeah, if yeah. they, yeah, yeah, if they know who leaked it, if they find out, that person's career is done. They'll be blacklisted. Like no company is going to want to touch them. And, and that's the thing that back to what CJ was saying, is it worth it? Right? Like, was it so bad that they were like, I will not be able to do anything, anything I do except for this nuclear option is going to get the necessary attention to spark this change, you know, go, like, go for it. I, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not overstepping uh, here. So I'm going to try and try to find this right line. Like the, um, the Kotaku article with, with riot, mm -hmm. you know, like, that needed to happen. And there were people that helped get that article out there within Riot themselves that for them, it was worth it. The, the, the systemic 
uh, harassment, the the culture, the you know whether or not it was you know massively prevalent or not, depending on your views and how that how that went, you know that was something that they had to they had to tackle. They had to they had to um, come to terms with is I could be fired, I could be ruining my career, but at the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. So, it, it, again, that's what I think makes the situation so hard is because because of that, right? Because of of um, trying to find that right balance um yeah yeah I, I think that in this scenario where the person we don't know who it is they've not openly come forward as far as we're aware mm-hmm. it's it's even tougher for them in a way because you're trying to spark a revolutionary action but you you're the person who has alleged this these conditions and now you need someone else to come forward you need mm-hmm. someone else to go, yeah, that's actually true. Otherwise, they'll just go, well, it was anonymous. It could have just been a lie. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they just made it up. So they need, to, they're trying to spark a revolution in, <laughs> from the invisible shadows and hoping that people go in line and mm-hmm. support it. Whereas you say they now have to put themselves in the line of fire to even support it. And it becomes super difficult for everybody involved. And mm-hmm. now they're thinking, oh, do I join this? Do I come forward and say yes? Or do I just ignore it? Do I just put head down and yeah. get back to my, you know, 50 70 hour work week or or, mm-hmm. or you know it's it's really really tough for everyone involved i think to make the decision and the nuclear option i think is important sometimes because so many stories of, of burnout and crunch culture have come through and just kind of they come in and they go out the other side and nothing happens so i yeah. think the specific problem which i imagine they're protesting doesn't seem to be being resolved by mm-hmm. the normal this was really bad and we're upset about it kind of response because the companies mm-hmm. just go, dang, dude, sucks. Back to work. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah, hire the next guy out of college. You did it. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah exactly. Good. So he's like a little bonus, I guess. And they're like, well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think at some point a nuclear option was going to happen for this specific problem. But yeah. the way that it's, this is being executed this time, I think is really, really tricky for everybody. Yeah. Assuming, assuming they did it for the right reasons. Um, mm. Right, right. Yeah, sure. seeing, given the benefit of the doubt exactly. to the, the hero behind the mask, as opposed to just someone who just wanted to blow up the game. I, th- I think exactly. you can only hope that something good comes out of this, because if nothing yeah. changes, it was just a bad move. <laughs> but if, yeah. if things change, yeah, then maybe, yeah, yeah. But and such that's... is the way with revolutionary action, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, the the what was it? History decides the victor, right? Or the victor yeah. victor writes history, yeah. something like that. I words good. Um, His, history is written by the victor. I there you go. Yeah. <laughs> victor Victor is actually a historian. Before he became oh, a yeah. cybernetic individual, he was um, very interested uh, in history. I think that's what we're all trying yeah, to say. That's, that, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the tidbit for this episode. Yeah. I think. There you go. Uh, but yeah, and and to hit on the point of um, the the cultural revolution within gaming, like I I wholeheartedly agree. It 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 irks me to no end. Infuriates me. When I see a team run so hard, and the the management, the the production team that's responsible for making sure that it, good, healthy, sustainable production practices just they don't do anything, right? It I I hold uh I hold production probably because probably because I am part of the production discipline. Uh, mm-hmm. I hold people in my role that much more responsible uh i honestly i honestly believe that if you get to an end of a development cycle because you know go through depending on what your cycle is sprints waterfall whatever milestones if you get to the end of your of your cycle and there's burnout 
and there's a, a lot of like, oh, we like we haven't hit our goals or we're behind on our goals for X, Y, and Z reason, and people are, you know, having to put in all this extra work. You have failed on a couple of points, failed on a couple of parts. Not saying that that's bad to fail, right? That's the point. You you need to learn and make the next cycle better. But then two, you do also need to be accountable. Too many times it's like this retro, this team did really like poorly. Like oh, the scores are really low. They're not hitting their marks, all these things, blah, 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 blah. And then the team is punished or penalized for it. But the, the manager, the, the production person is like, congratulations, you get to go somewhere else. No, that, that's part of their performance. And I think that's, mm. that's a hard thing to quantify, but that is uh, in terms of like production performance. But that I think is a, a one aspect that could easily be uh, put into uh, into a, a, an objective metric. Yeah. And that's my second soapbox. I think I only get three. <laughs> yeah. I'm keeping track. We got we got one left. Okay. We'll hit it by All the right. end of the episode. <laughs> I'm um, sure we will. There's probably not a lot to say about this, but I thought it was funny, so I wanted to touch on it. Um, Call of Duty Warzone is now promoting the cheater server method of dealing with cheaters, which is basically, if you're not familiar with that, um, they'll identify cheaters, uh, but if they're not 100% sure that they're cheating or hacking or whatever the, the data is on that, they'll match them in what's called a cheater server, which is servers that only have access by cheaters. So cheaters will automatically get put into this, like, it's basically low priority queue, um, uh-huh. and they'll be matched with their cheaters, and then they can use that data to determine if they're cheating and they'll get banned. Um, the reason I thought it was funny, because League actually had a similar <laughs> system to this a long time ago. Uh, they probably still employ it in some respect with bots um oh. botted accounts were a big problem in arum and 3v3s uh, res- recipes 3v3s but what they would do is they would identify these potential bots and they would just like match them with other bots so they wouldn't ruin the game for anyone so you would have sure. potentially hundreds to thousands of games running at any time that were just bots playing against each other <laughs> which was just just amazing what i'm sure kind of- kind of cyberpunk dystopian like <laughs> bullshit is that <laughs> and i'd love to think that that riot was like looking at these games and like discounting them from their analytics they're like oh well we have ten thousand games going on right now um but for some reason in this in this specific region people are really bad at dairy or people are just playing darius garen and, and morgana over and over again <laughs> oh, the bots, they're really yeah. bad yeah. i i um, think I, at least i would hope uh, as well like I, i'm pretty sure they were taking that into account the riots uh riots and like data science crew is is pretty spot on but yeah. i didn't know that i didn't know that they had yeah, like I, don't, a, like I don't know if it server. actually runs anymore i read this article a couple years ago um oh, okay. about combating anti-cheat or combating cheats in league it was by somebody on the anti-cheat team at riot okay. um and they mentioned this this process and I think yeah. they said that they aren't doing it anymore because they've gotten way better at detecting bots. So now they're just banning bot accounts. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I always sense. liked the idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, mean... I think it's satisfying to to imagine that you can like see a player on the kill cam, uh, obviously, obviously uh, aimbotting or cheating, and then you can report them, and that they'll go into like the you know the third circle of hell for COD cheaters, <laughs> and they all and they all burn together in a little cheater server. But I thought the the system where if you're even suspected you're put into this horrific game experience <laughs> filled with cheaters just to prove it kind of yeah. it feels like a, a a long process involving ruining the game more for yeah. people who are potentially just getting reported out of salt yeah, yeah i don't know what the 
what the quantitative like steps are to get sentenced yeah. to hell um yeah. for this <laughs> i'm assuming i'm hoping it's not just like you get reported a couple times but who knows yeah it's um, like and it's what you said about riot's response with like eventually we just got better at finding cheers and we don't have to do that anymore so yeah. i think it seems like satisfying but inefficient i guess <laughs> yeah take. and and so we're not, not gonna, gonna lie. oh go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna tangent so Oh, I was like, I'm not gonna lie. When I read that, it's like COD Warzone promoting the cheater server method. I'm like, wait, is that just is that like a a, a thing you can click to opt in to yeah. servers where cheating is <laughs> allowed? So fun if you could just do it on options, you see what it's like. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, well, if I wanted to play a game and I wanted to cheat and this won't get me into trouble, and I know I'm getting into a thing where people cheat, maybe that makes it better. So I was completely off. Like I I, I did not go into that question. Yeah, sometimes sometimes when I write my notes for for those aren't familiar, the way we do our podcast is we basically yeah. just write down a bunch of short sentences <laughs> about stuff that we want yeah. to talk about, and then like yeah, if I'm writing them down and they're pretty ambiguous, so sometimes people <laughs> people are like, "Oh, that's what you meant." I'm like, "So I need to get a little better about no, no, you <laughs> describing don't describing just like that because then you get funny moments like this. <laughs> if if it's the idea that the that you the concept that you had in your head, it's it's kind of like just creating a zone where people can teach their bots to be better, which is yeah. kind of not what you want. <laughs> like, oh, I can test out my key. I was gonna say that cheap. like yeah, you right? don't want to have yeah. an environment where where people can test out their yeah. hacks in like a safe place <laughs> yeah. because that's, that's just gonna point. lead to yeah, better yeah, packs. That's a good point. <laughs> Uh, tangenting on that, I didn't want to talk too much about it because there's some pretty contentious stuff out there. Uh, I like, I really oh, like yeah. the way how um, Valorant deals with hackers and cheaters, uh, where they, when when a cheater's detected and they're they're 100 sure, they will shut down the match and have a big red screen that says like hacker detected, this match has been terminated. Um, oh shit! It's not. It's even better than what League does because League doesn't have really a problem with cheaters, at least that I know of. Um, like. But yeah. they have sort of a system in place for when a toxic player gets banned or when somebody gets banned. Sometimes, and it's fucking random as hell, but sometimes <laughs> you'll get a message where it's like, you have participated, or the person you reported has been punished or something like that. And yeah. that's like the best feeling in the world. It doesn't buzz. happen very often. <laughs> but um, it's sort of like, I feel like the Valorant way of doing it is like the next step of like, when you know that there's a cheater in the game and you just see that giant red shut box. Shut it down. Yeah. Yep. Shut it yeah. down. We're it's, very, it's very gratifying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for our next topic of conversation, uh, I, was it you, CG, who wrote this? Um, potential of online-only uh, yeah. events for the foreseeable future. Did you want to take the lead on that? Uh, I guess so. So because of the, the current situation of the global pandemic, the lockdowns, the quarantines, uh, all of these tournament operators have had to shift to online-only to keep the lights on, uh, or being physically, I guess. And <clears> that is in some ways, you know, there's this initial setup where you have to make sure all the players have the, the stuff they need at home or like LCS recently, they they got webcams set up like in the players' individual places so you can still have cams. So you're kind of building the stream back up again from the ground up using these workarounds, which is very good. But also it leaves it so vulnerable in so many ways because recently in the UK, Virgin Media had a mass outage across pretty much the entirety of the UK yesterday or the day before. And several like UK, you know, semi-pro tournaments got torpedoed because the internet just broke 
and I just died. Okay. And like, okay. that's probably a direct response of the pandemic. And like people, you know, the engineers, there's not that many engineers going around. This stuff all needs maintenance, of course, still. So it's the adaptation is great, but it's so it's so vulnerable mm. in that way. But it it kind of also has this extra potential because the viewership is so high and then you know you have so much more airtime to work with like mm-hmm. you said before with the espn thing like people jumping on the back of it that it's kind of a race to see who can adapt to the fastest to get the best value and collect all of these new viewers in one point while not accidentally blowing up their infrastructure trying yeah. to like stretch it across this yeah. really tough environment and and yeah. i think that really stems to the major problem that these uh events are having where usually when you're broadcasting something like this there's like a single point of failure which will be the internet connection to the venue itself um generally speaking it's a pretty high quality connection they'll have some backups um i imagine they have a lot of very good technology to keep it from going down but when you're extending to potentially hundreds of different locations or at least a couple dozen um where a single outage at any of those locations will basically shut the tournament down uh, either whether it's a caster or a player or whatever's happening that's when you're introducing dozens of points of failure and when residential internet in the the west is already so not <laughs> great <laughs> yeah um it's really putting yeah. a strain on it when you have potentially hundreds of thousands more users on the service i know in la anyone who lives in la and on Spectrum, they know that the internet's been pretty terrible recently. Um, yeah, I know well, people I, who are. I think. What good? I was uh, to to think about it. Like I'm 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 wondering if this is going to spark a hard response, <laughs> and that we're actually going to swing really hard and wonder because you know for years, like our, our internet infrastructure in, in the U.S. is just awful, <laughs> and then that's the thing. Everyone knows it's awful. But we can't do anything about it because, you, you know, monopolies and stuff like that. They're like, well, you're still paying us money and no one's really doing anything else. So, like, it, you're just you're going to get what you get, right? Yeah. So now I'm wondering if this kind of response is going to spark a stronger, like, not outcry, but, like, a stronger, like, demand of, like, no, you need to fix our fucking internet uh, and, and get it going. Um, to the point where, like, once the once the pandemic is done, you know, like... Is it is it going to very hopeful of you? <laughs> yeah, right. Like you know, like what, what? Like I'm interested to see where that pendulum is going to swing because creating infrastructure that takes years. You know what I mean? But I, I don't, I don't know. This is a very pessimistic approach, but I think mm-hmm. that the average user of the internet is so easygoing in terms of as long as they can connect to their Zoom call, as long as they can watch Netflix, and it, even yeah. if it goes down or buffers or it's not great quality, they'll be okay. The only a yeah. very small percentage of people rely on very um, continuous, like streamers need very continuous, very high quality service of internet or they'll drop frames, which will ruin the stream. Um, mm-hmm. And gamers need very high quality internet or else they'll get high ping, which can potentially ruin the game. Um, yeah. But that's like such a small subset of the user base that I think that unless it starts affecting the everyday problems where you can't call somebody on Zoom or you can't watch Netflix, we probably won't see a big outcry against um, these monopolies. 
And I think that's what CJ was talking about, right? Like with this uh, burgeoning opportunity of having, you know, more online events, like, you know, like showing that, like uh, we were talking about last week, you, you know, like uh, showing that working from home, like a decentralized team is effective. You can get the work done, you know, showing that um, that potential uh, may spark an interesting, you know, cultural shift. This too may spark an interesting cultural shift of like companies investing more in in this online only sort of events, which, you know, come with its own problems. And one of them being the internet, like the internet infrastructure, right? Like, so is it going to spark an investment in, you know, building that up being better so that you can then make money, you know, further money in the future? Um, it's just, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. I, there's in the UK specifically, um, I'm not going to get too deep into politics or anything like that but one of the recent uh uh of our recent election the left-wing candidate one of the some of the things they were running on was one was nationalizing the railways and nationalizing broadband um mm. in the uk and then they, they lost yikes but then the uh pandemic hits and we've already we've basically nationalized the railways now on on a, on a dime because right. we need to <laughs> yeah. and now people are like so are we going to nationalize the broadband because virgin just completely kicked it and ate, and ate shit for a whole day and like you can't have that because yeah. everyone's at home and we all need to do this so it's like as soon as everyone was like that's stupid you know we don't need yeah. a, why would we nationalize the companies will handle it you know and then as soon as like a month later two months right. later everything right. goes up in flames and like oh no 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 bring it in bring it in guys yeah. bring it in we need this now and yeah. i don't like it's happening in the uk i think after there's enough pressure mm -hmm. very subtle pressure but i i don't know if that's a thing that would ever get enough traction in somewhere yeah. like the us which seems just even more turned up to that like yeah i don't i don't know that ubi <laughs> that freedom oh, yeah, <laughs> so so Dude, when, you're, when you're talking about that i was like oh no <laughs> To just re uh, to just recap on um, the history of ISPs in America, very 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 roughly. Um, Ooh, yeah. Okay, okay. Basically, history what lesson. happened was telecommunication companies were in a big monopoly a long time ago. Um, they were forcibly split up by the government to several different smaller companies, which spread out and did all their own thing. And they've slowly been conglomerating back together. Um, every time there's a big merger, like AT and T buys whatever, or uh, Time Warner buys blah blah blah. Time Warner. I think is a conglomeration on its own. They're slowly becoming a monopoly again, and they have no political incentive and they have no financial incentive to redo their infrastructure or to radically change their systems right now. And there's no political reason why they have to do it. So there's just no major push to be like, hey, maybe Spectrum should lay fiber everywhere they only lay fiber where there's places that have fiber from a, comp a competing company um mm -hmm. and you'll see that every time you'll you'll look at a topic online where like oh google fiber is coming to my neighborhood you'll have like at&t or t-mobile or spectrum they'll be like hey guys we're gonna be offering fiber in this neighborhood now uh, for no additional cost <laughs> please don't switch away yeah um yeah. it's pretty yeah. it's pretty depressing bullshit yeah, that's what that is <laughs> pretty dumb yeah. yeah um and that's one of the major reasons why internet has always been pretty bad in the united states man i remember <laughs> i don't know what when did i study abroad uh in korea it was like 10 years ago 12 yeah 10 years ago i think something like that 
I remember riding the subway uh, in Korea and watching um, like video, like streaming video on my mom's cell phone. Ten years. Ten ago. years ago yeah. in Korea, like. <laughs> Just, I'm pretty sure we didn't even have like three G ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I, and then I got back to the states, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I have to be like next to a cell tower to do any of this shit. I was underground doing this in Korea. Anyway, yeah. do, do you guys have the same movement that we have in the UK, where um people are blaming uh, the coronavirus on five G? Very, very. I think it's overblown. Um, but no, yes, there is the I same. It's pretty big in the UK now, and like some relatively well, high-profile like talk show hosts were fined slash you know penalized for being a bit conspiracy theory about it all, and alleging that five G towers were causing coronavirus, and it got too much traction. Honestly, I don't, I don't want but... to live in this world anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's time, to, like, what? time to go to the Netherlands or. Norway or somewhere chilled out, you know? Something, yeah, like, holy hell. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's one of those things where I love, don't get me wrong, I'm patriotic. I love the U.S. Um, I think that we got a lot of messed up shit, and I think that people in general are just dumb. Um, and that's my, that's that's all I've got. I don't know where <laughs> I was going People are that. dumb. Like, it's just, people it's dumb. just uh, just don't be yeah. dumb. Like, and, and that goes for people on both sides, right? Like, get your facts, like, sort of, yeah. like, look, look through it, look into it, you know, yeah. but don't, don't be, don't, don't be blinded by bias. If you can sit down for a minute and think about what you're trying to do, most of the time, with the benefits of five minute reflection, it won't seem as such a good idea that maybe you shouldn't do it. Yeah, because um, like we have the five G thing, but you guys had the whole drinking detergent thing. So oh God, yeah, yeah, that's there's, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's all sorts of yeah. bullshit there's, going on. People, people are yeah. just, and that's I say that too. VB used to get mad at me. I'm like, man, people are dumb. Just as a species, we are so fucking stupid. She's like, no, we're not. I'm like, no, 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 no. Individuals are smart, but you get yeah. you get that group think going. I average it out. Oh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> anyway. I'm and I'm I'm to blame. I'm not gonna lie. Like group think like it, it happens, right? It happens to the best of us. Yeah. I didn't drink detergent, but you know, so you just <laughs> throw not yet, not yet. I'm not that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last topic and then we'll let Larry go because I know he's really busy. And we'll let CJ go because I know it's super late there. Um I wanted to talk about this real quick. Um Twitch has finally enacted a policy against um playing back pre recorded content as if it were live. Um, and the reason why they did this was a lot of streamers were pre-recording content and playing it back as if it were live for 24 hours a day, seven days a week um, on the Valorant channel to abuse the drop system. Because um, if you aren't familiar, if you're coming back to this episode from a time in the future, Valorant has just launched in beta. Um, and the way that people are acquiring keys for it is they are watching um, Twitch streams. And the longer you watch a Twitch stream, the higher chance you have to get a key. Uh, so it is very beneficial for Twitch streamers to stay on as long as possible um, to acquire more viewers. And then they're higher up on the registry so they can acquire more viewers, blah, blah, blah. It's a cycle. Uh, so like I said, what people were doing was they were just leaving the stream on 24 seven with pre-recorded footage and just basically farming these drop bots who would just want to come in and get a key and then leave. Um, but Twitch, I think a little late, but better late than never finally enacted a policy where there are, banning this and i think that's a good change and i think it sets a great precedent for 
what I am assuming is going to be a very emulated campaign um, after the ridiculously massive success that was the Valorant marketing campaign when they just said, hey, watch a streamer, get a key. And it, over 1.5 million viewers, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous, yeah. So I definitely think we'll be seeing that a lot coming out of, probably coming out of future Riot games and then coming out of future Everybody games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was what, was Riot the first company to use that system? Because I know it's been used before, once mm. or twice. The the drop keys. Blizzard in, has been I, I, utilizing I'm it. Certain they've used it. Yeah, Blizzard has been utilizing it for Overwatch and StarCraft mm. and Hearthstone, but never to this extent. They basically have yeah. um, a system where, if you watch enough games of Overwatch League, you'll get like a tracer skin or something. Or if you watch enough games of Hearthstone, mm. you get an extra Hearthstone pack. Um, mm. so it's always just like a nice little bonus. I think Riot has been the first one, yeah. at least on this to big scale, like, to do for actual it, like beta uh, access. Yeah, for like beta stuff. I was wondering if this might be the first instance of doing it for beta access. It's at least the first yeah. high profile instance. Mm. Okay. In yeah. such is the way that you know some things kind of happen on a relatively small scale that are pretty smart, and then Riot's like, dang, that's yeah, really that's good. a good idea. They, yeah, they grab it and do it way better than anyone else could even hope yeah. to do it, and just well, smash. I mean, the, that's what League is. I mean, when anyone, <laughs> yeah. when anyone, anyone ever says, "Yeah, League's just a League's just a a, a copy of Dota," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's and, way better." Yeah. Yeah, I was good. like, "Yeah, yeah it's it's a good copy." Yeah. You were not wrong. I, I like if you're trying to damage yeah. the ego, like there is no yeah. that, that is how it goes. <laughs> yeah, and like TFT and stuff, and you know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's just. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing wrong with nothing wrong with just doing something really, really well. You don't know? like, yeah, don't copy. You don't want to <laughs> copy, right? But yeah. if you're inspired, if you see Iterating. something, like think, you know, like Japan, yeah. right? Like Japan. I always think it's funny. Like Japan or Japanese culture, they're not really one for innovation, uh, in the sense of I have a new idea to do mm. something. But they'll take an idea that someone went and went. Oh, oh yeah. If you move this over here and you put this mm. over here and like you know stretch it out, like they'll they'll like efficiency the hell out of it. Um, yeah. I think that's great. I think that's you know just evolution of of idea and thought. So yeah. don't copy, innovate. Ah. There you go. So <laughs> All right. The the the, uh, the fact that oh, they just really quick the fact that they that they stepped into to nuke it and removed anyone. I guess the ability to to broadcast or to rebroadcast your vods in general. I just wondered, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm not sure if anyone's going to be particularly damaged by that elsewhere. Like, if that's going to affect some other niche that that needs to restream VODs for any reason, or if this is literally just the only kind of... So so there's know, two ways to look at it. that. Um, I don't think there's any particular piece of technology that they're using to enforce this. Like, I don't think they're actually, like, going through and combing VODs and saying, like, oh, this is a problem. I think it's mostly being used as a preventative measure rather than a oh gotcha mentor um mm -hmm. this is going to be used as we have this piece of terms of service now we can enforce it um i don't think if anyone's just like restreaming a vod for whatever reason and they're not like particularly yeah. abusing the drop system like i think the drop system is really the reason why this is being enforced at all mm -hmm. right now um i don't think this will really affect just like a a person who for whatever reason wanted to restream a vod like if they were doing something i don't know we'll see um yeah there can always be friendly it. fire or or, or um, unintended side effects yeah unintended side like effects yeah. but yeah twitch twitch gets a lot of flack for their moderation but i think they they do a decent enough job 
they they usually go underhanded rather than overhanded for some stuff. So we'll see. Um, topping that off, Spectrum right now is making me drop tons of frames, so the stream is not great right now. But since <laughs> oh, we're no. using a local <laughs> audio recording, um, at least the audio we'll will be, be good. So we'll be all right there. We are. Yeah. All right. I wanted to thank uh, CJ once again for coming yes. onto the show at relatively short it was notice. Great talking. Yeah. Ridiculously good yeah. guest. Amazing. Blew us out of the water. Uh, if you want to check him Thanks out, he's on me. Twitter at ESLCJ. And if you want to watch his amazing coaching, uh, tune into the DCCS that, yeah. this Friday and Sunday to to watch Team Liquid go, hopefully go 2-0. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go follow him right now. ESL, yeah. And then thanks again fun. for Larry for taking the time out of his busy day. We, we had to do this podcast a little earlier in the day because we have um, time zone restrictions. Uh, if you're on the video, you can actually see that it's very dark outside for CJ. Yeah. <laughs> so, I appreciate the accommodations, too. I appreciate the accommodations. <laughs> thanks again, guys, for coming on the show. Um, next episode of Dev Dive, mm, next week, maybe not. Two weeks after, probably. We'll see. Uh, as always, follow the show on Twitter. Follow us on Discord. Um, if you're using Spotify, iTunes, Google, give us a rating on there. Helps a lot. Share it with your friends. Give us some ideas. Anything that you could do to make the show better, we appreciate it 100%. Uh, so you guys have a fantastic day, and thanks for watching. Have fun. Be safe. Bye. Make good choices.